0: Good morning. Welcome to a Public Church online gathering. My name is Mitchell, if we haven't met yet, and I'm the creative director here at Public Church, and we're so glad you're watching with us today. Now, if this is your first time watching with us or you've been tuning in for a while, we want to connect with you. If you go to our website or app and you check out the Connect With Us tab, or if you go to our Instagram bio, you can find a link to our Connect card. There you'll fill out a couple more pieces of information about yourself so we can connect with you, and we just want to hear from you. Now, for the entire month of July, we're having something special for our Public Kids Elementary. We're having a hybrid gathering. Now, this means that Public Kids ages five and up will actually be with us in the gathering for a little bit of worship and a little bit of Todd's talk and he'll actually be dismissing them to go into their classrooms during the talk. This is a perfect opportunity for families to not only worship together, but to hear the word together. And this is an opportunity for us to love on them together. Now we wanna take some time to give. We wanna thank you for your generosity because your generosity makes an impact beyond the room. When you give, you don't give to public church, but through public church. Now on the screen, there's gonna be a few ways to give. We wanted to let you know a few ways that your giving has made an impact beyond the room. A couple Wednesdays ago, we were actually able to take our public students to Pelican's snow cones. They were able to have community there and also have an awesome snow cone, and we love that. This fall, we're partnering with Stewart Elementary and a few community groups will be going there and helping out, and they'll also be donating supplies and coming alongside all those teachers and the staff there. We're also able to support CrossNet's Ocoee outreach missionaries this summer, and we love the opportunity to do that, and that's all through your generosity. So thank you. We are so excited to wrap up our final week of Rhythms to Sustain, and trust me, you don't wanna miss this talk from Pastor Todd. Now go grab your Bible, go grab your coffee, maybe even your favorite cereal, and let's dive into the Word together. Why is
1: it so hard to pray? Am I the only one that struggles to focus while I pray? Look, if we haven't met, my name is Todd, and often my mind wanders while I pray. Now online family, it's just us this week. On this holiday weekend, I love that it can just be us. And so if you're listening, to the podcast while you run, if you're watching this while on an exercise bike, if you're with a group of friends live, or if you're watching this two years from now, can we just be honest if it's hard to pray? Maybe you've nailed it, but for a lot of us, I think it's just difficult to pray. And and what is prayer? Quite simply, it's just communicating with God. It, it's connecting with Jesus. It's talking to our Father. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. Pause and be like, wait, the Father? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? We're talking about the Trinity, that God is one, yet He expresses Himself in three unique ways, and prayer is an invitation for us to connect with Him. See, prayer is not a task to be completed. It's a habit to be enjoyed. It it cultivates a relationship with God, and yet it's so stinking hard, isn't it? Now, if you don't follow Jesus, Maybe it's not prayer for you, but it's still difficult to focus. You're, you're with someone that you love, that you care a lot about. And yet in that moment, your, your phone goes off or you get this interruption, this text, this notification, this phone call, whatever it is. And our bodies are here, but our minds are somewhere else. And then just relate that to trying to sit in the presence of God who we can't see. We're struggling with people we can see, but to sit in the presence of God whom we can't see and communicate with Him. So today, we're gonna be talking about how to enjoy prayer more by growing in focus. Remember, I said it, I wanna repeat it, that prayer is not a task to be completed. It's a habit to be enjoyed. It cultivates relationship with God. Today, we're gonna talk about how do we enjoy prayer more by growing in focus? And we are having this conversation as the finale to our series, Rhythms to Sustain. The, the heart of this series is that if we sync our lives to certain rhythms, that sets us up to follow Jesus for the long haul. And Jesus followers, I think all of us want to finish strong. If you're exploring faith in Jesus, if you're considering Jesus, and hopefully one day you choose to follow Him, I don't think that you're, choosing to follow Him just for six months or just for for a year or just for two years, you're thinking, man, I hope I fizzle out. No, we don't plan to fizzle out, and yet it happens to people. And so these rhythms can help prevent that. And so I'm not going to go into detail about every rhythm, but we started the series by talking about the rhythm of practice, Sabbath rest. We discussed Anchor in the Word, this idea of identity that is so powerful that we know whose we are. Last week, Brad Stanley did a phenomenal job talking about lean on your teammates. And we're gonna finish the series today with, with our two final rhythms, but if any of those rhythms kind of piqued your interest and you're new or you've missed part of the series, you can just go to the playlist, Rhythms to Sustain, on YouTube. You can go to our podcast and you can check out any of those talks. But today, as we think about all right, how do we enjoy prayer more by growing in focus, our first rhythm, shocker, is about prayer. <laughs> and it's quite simply this: that we pray like a psalmist, that we communicate with God like a psalmist. This whole idea of psalmist comes from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, the first portion of the Bible. And for centuries, Psalms has been a prayer book for Jews and a prayer book for Christians. And what we find in the Psalms is people that are expressing themselves to God in a way that is raw, that is vulnerable, that is unedited, that is emotion-filled. And guess what? We see Jesus do the same thing. In the garden, right before He willingly goes to the cross to sacrifice His life, to save us, to save the world, Jesus prays like a psalmist. He cries out to God in anguish. And so we know that we are invited to do The same, the Psalms and the life of Jesus invite us to come to God and pray raw, unedited, emotion-filled prayers. And yet sometimes we would like to pray like a psalmist, but yet we're so distracted that we can't quite get to the ability, get to the place where we can express our emotions to God. And if we just zoom down just to the first word of this rhythm of pray, Like those of us who follow Jesus, we know that we should pray. We probably want to pray. If you don't follow Jesus, you've probably figured out that prayer is a part of following Jesus, that if we're going to follow Jesus, we should talk to Him, we should listen to Him. But it's so hard. And that's where our second rhythm comes in. And it's going to be found in the life of Jesus, and it complements prayer in His life. And it can complement prayer in our lives, too. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, you can join me in Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 16. But before we dive in, why are we going to Jesus? Well, one of the big reasons is because in Luke chapter 11, which we're not going to read, but I encourage you to look up, His disciples come to Him, and they've been watching Him pray. And they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And for us, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's normal. They're following Him. They're His disciples it's normal for him to ask them to that for them to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. But it's actually very abnormal because these disciples as Jews, they've been taught to pray since they were little boys. And so what they're saying is, Jesus, re-teach us how to pray because you pray differently than we've been taught how to pray. In other words, the prayer life of Jesus was so attractive, was so compelling. They said, "Re-teach us what this looks like." And so Jesus is our blueprint for how to pray. And as we look at his life and we s- discover this rhythm that complements Pray Like a Psalmist, it's important that we have a Bible study strategy that was taught to me by Dr. Jay McCluskey. He's, I would consider him my pastor. He's at North Cleveland Baptist, the church that sent Whitney and I out to be part of public church. And here's what Dr. Jay taught me, that when reading scripture, look at directives and practices directives, things we are told to do, and practices, things we see Jesus' followers doing. Look at what Jesus told us to do, and let's look at what Jesus actually did, the practices or ways of Jesus. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to see a practice of Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Read it one more time, so simple. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So what we see here is Jesus withdraws from the busyness to engage his Father in the stillness. He withdraws to pray. So if our first rhythm is pray like a psalmist, what's the withdrawal rhythm? It's turn down the noise. And our lives are filled with so much noise as we're gonna talk about. And this is really important because everything flows from the Word and is processed through prayer. Like, God primarily is going to speak to us through His Word, and He's going to lead us through His Word, and we're going to process that through prayer. So if we're struggling to pray, we're probably not processing what He's showing us in the Word, and one of the reasons is there's all this noise. In fact, maybe this is something we just need to face. Perhaps one of the reasons we struggle to pray is our failure to withdraw, Perhaps one of the reasons that we struggle to pray is our failure withdrawal. I am not minimizing praying throughout our day. That's awesome. We see that model in the life of Jesus. Paul commands us to do this. As Paul wrote um, about half the New Testament, he tells us to pray without ceasing. Look, it's good to pray throughout our day. It's good to, in stressful moments, go, Jesus, please help me. Holy Spirit, be with me. Those things are good. But we need to complement that with this rhythm of Jesus that we withdraw to pray. We turn down the noise to pray like a psalmist. And this is especially important for our generation, for our moment in time. Because Luke 8, I think Luke 8, 14, might just be the banner over many of our lives, possibly even over large pocket, pockets of American Christianity. Here's what Jesus said in Luke eight fourteen: 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Do you hear the noise, those verses? The, the noise in this verse says this, the cares, the riches, the pleasures of this life, that God's trying to speak to us through the Word. He wants to let us process through prayer, but yet we're not focusing when we pray. We're maybe not even getting to prayer because of all the noise, the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. And the problem is that then we never grow into maturity. Ben Stewart, in this book right here, Rest in War, he talks about a book he was reading that uh, discussed how to tame lions, Interested in that. And so they said, when these guys would go into the, um, into the cage of the lion, they would take a pistol that makes sense, a whip that makes sense. and they would also take a stool. Why are they taking a stool? They said, well, what happened is they would put the stool in the lion's face. And what the lion would try to do is focus on all four legs of the stool at once, which was impossible for the lion. And so he would get so distracted, not be able to focus that it would become tame and docile, and they wouldn't have to worry about that lion attacking. And maybe this is what the enemy is doing to us. He's putting so many things in front of us, and we're trying to focus on it all at once, and we can't. And we're distracted, and we're not praying and connecting with our Father. Remember, prayer is supposed to be in joy. Praying like a psalmist, bearing our souls before the one who created our souls, that should be healing. And yet, often we're not getting there because of all the noise, because. All the distractions. So what does it look like to begin to withdraw to pray? Well, Rich Vilodas, in, in this incredible book, The Deeply Formed Life, he actually gives a definition to silent prayer. And he says this, silent prayer is the practice of focusing our attention upon God through the simplicity of shared presence. It's just being with God. In fact, that's what he says. It's a surrender of our words to be present with the Word. And we know from John 1 that the word is Jesus. So it's a surrender of our words to be present with the word, to be present with Jesus. Do we do that? Do we turn down the noise to pray like a psalmist? Do we draw to pray and just be in the presence of God? We see Jesus do this. Let's zoom out at the context of Luke 5 16. Let's go all the way back to Luke chapter 4. Verse one, and let's see this rhythm in Jesus's. Let's see both these rhythms in Jesus's life. And Luke chapter four, verse one, it says, "Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. So Jesus has withdrawn to the wilderness to pray." to engage his father. He's also fasting, another ancient practice where we deny ourselves in order to focus more on God. And so he's doing these things. He's turned down the noise and then he gets tempted. And I used to think that he was just vulnerable in this moment because obviously he's physically hungry. But I love how the message in Matthew chapter four, verse verse two, talks sets up this. And the message paraphrase, same story, just Matthew's version says Jesus prepared for the test by fasting forty days and nights. Wow, I think that's very consistent with what we see in Jesus's life, that yes, as he entered this time of temptation from the devil, he was physically weak, but he was spiritually strong because he was coming off 40 days of just communing with his Father. And so he was ready. And we're not gonna dive into this temptation, but a key part of us resenting temptation, a key way that Jesus resisted temptation is that he was able to discern What were the lies of the devil versus the truth of God? And then he was able to use God's word to fight back. And it's important that he knew how to discern because the devil even used God's word against him. So there's a lot of discernment going on here. How do we grow in discernment? How do we grow in distinguishing the voice of the Holy Spirit versus the lies of the enemy? We spend time with our Father. We listen. We're silent. We just commune with Him. And over time, like Jesus, our discernment will grow. And so after this time of drawing to pray, Jesus is strong, He resists temptation. And then we often miss Luke 4.14, which says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power despite the fact that He'd been tempted, despite the fact that He'd been attacked. Man, He is strong coming off this time of solitude, and silence with His Father. Perhaps we could get some strength from that as well. As we look at the rest of the chapter, it says Jesus comes off this time and He announces His his mission. He's clearly focused here. He he goes on and He's going to cast out a demon. He's going to heal many people. And then it says in Luke 4.42, in the midst of all this great works He's doing, all this ministry, says this, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. Mark records this in his gospel account. And he specifically tells us that Jesus prayed. Luke just implies it for us. But We know Jesus is withdrawing to pray. Here's what happened. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Come on, stay here. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Do you ever feel like you're held captive by the whims and expectations of other people and you can't hear clearly what God wants you to do? Because I feel like that sometimes. And perhaps one of the reasons that I feel like that, perhaps one of the reasons that you feel like that is because we haven't spent enough time withdrawing to pray and listening to our Father. Jesus here emerges from this time of silence and solitude with clarity hey, you may want me to do this, but my dad wants me to do this. And I'm going to do what my father wants me to do. We need to understand. Then we turn down the noise. It turns up the voice of our father. It turns up the Holy Spirit. And he can provide us clarity about what he wants us to do. Because then we see Jesus and he goes back. He calls his first disciples. He heals the man with leprosy. And then in verse 15, right before the verse we started with, verse 16, Luke 5.15 says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of His power spread even faster. Vast crowds came to hear Him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Here's our verse. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. One of the pushbacks to this whole idea of turn down the noise, pray like a psalmist, this idea of silence and solitude that we withdraw to pray, one of the pushbacks is, when we got great works to do, great works that are not anti-God, that are from God. Like He's given us our families to invest in. He's given us our careers to to invest in. Whatever that great work is in your life, like if I'm just gonna withdraw, how am I gonna do the great work that God has called me to do? It's not an either or, it's a both and. They withdraw to engage, to pray. And then we re-emerge to do our great works, not our way, but God's way. See, unless we withdraw to pray, unless we turn down the noise and hear from God, What's going to happen is we're going to be held captive to the whims and expectations of other people. And we may accomplish, may do some great works. We're going to be doing them man's way, maybe in our way, but not God's way. And also, we're going to be operating out of our own strength instead of operating out of God's strength which you see Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, resisted the temptation of the devil, and then came out and did great works. It's not an either or, it is a both and. So a question we need to wrestle with hmm, is why do we crave the noise? <laughs> get a little personal, right? It's getting personal for me. We get it. Most of us at this point are like, okay, we need to withdraw to pray. We need to turn down the noise, but why do we crave the noise? Well, for one, it's everywhere. If we're not intentional, then we will just be filled with noise all the time. I mean, most of us have lived probably a lot of days where we don't even have three minutes of silence in the whole day. We're inundated with noise. Think about when, when I think about when I was growing up and, and if I was riding with my dad in, in his truck and we stopped at a red light, um, or if my dad was alone in his truck at a red light, All my dad could do when he was alone is listen to the radio or or sit there and think. That's it. Now, any of us stopped at a red light, we can listen to the radio, podcast, whatever. Probably a podcast, not the radio. We can listen to a podcast. We can check Instagram. We can check TikTok, all while talking on the phone, all while also... I mean, there's so many things that we can do at a red light. The noise is surrounding us. You know, used to, if we wanted to escape our family... Used to, if we wanted to run away from conflict with someone we love, we had to literally leave their presence. Now we can just mentally leave their presence. See, the other aspect of why we crave the noise is because it's addicting and it's an escape. We don't have to go to the bar and drink too much to drown our sorrows. We can sit in the same room with somebody and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and never engage them and avoid all the conflict. and feel a very similar numbing to our souls that drunkenness provides. It's addicting. It's an escape. And yet we know, we know the path to healing comes from facing ourselves. We know that to pray like a psalmist, we've gotta, in words, to pray our feelings, we must first feel our feelings. And to feel our feelings, we need that silence. We need to withdraw to engage. So this leads us to the million dollar question. How? How in the world do we do this? So just as a mindset for us, imagine that you've carved out time to go on a date with with someone, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse. Imagine you've carved out time to spend with with the best friend that's come in from out of town. But how do you prepare for that dinner? And, and how do you act during that dinner? You probably try to take care of everything and tie up loose ends, and, and you're probably not at that dinner on your phone the whole time, and you don't have your ringer on, and, and right? We just naturally do these things so we can focus on this person, so we can be in their presence. So that's the mindset when we come to God. We just want to be in His presence. And so what we want to do is we want to turn down the noise externally, And then we want to turn down the noise internally. Woo! That one may be harder. We'll get to that one in just a minute. Turn down the noise externally. And before we talk about either of these, I just want to give us some grace. Rich, again, in his book, he quotes Thomas Keaton, who who mentions the fact that we get so distracted in our prayers. And he says this, if we get distracted 10,000 times, that's 10,000 opportunities to reconnect with God. Woo! Let's go! Do you feel that grace there? That instead of beating ourselves up because we're trying this new thing of silence and solitude, we're trying this new thing of a drawing to engage, that man, instead of beating ourselves up when our minds are here and here and here, every time my mind goes here, I can reconnect with God. And when it goes here 10 seconds later, I can reconnect with God. And when it goes here five minutes later, I can reconnect with God. Do you feel the freedom? He also says this, this isn't about a technique. It's about a relationship. It's about just beginning to enjoy the presence of God. And so there are some things that we can practically do to turn down the noise externally. First, just on our phones, what if we turned off every notification? Okay, I know I don't even have every notification off, but I have a lot of them off, almost all of them. So what if we turned off most of our notifications? That would just make our work lives better, that would make our family lives better because we wouldn't hear the constant notification. And Kerry Newhoff um, opened my eyes to the importance of this, he said, Every time we pick up our phone for a notification, it's the equivalent of me standing up and walking to that door and walking back here. It's that distracting. And yet so often we minimize it. Oh, it's just my phone. Oh, it's just this. No, it is distracting. So what if we turned off our notifications and then John Mark Comer in his incredible book right here, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says what if we treated our phones like a child? We put it to bed early and we let it sleep in. That would help. In fact, he recommends a practice that, that I've been doing, which is don't check your phone until after you've spent time in the Word. Start with the Word. Now, I allow myself to check the weather app because I want to know what the weather is. But other than that, I don't want to get on any other app before I spend time in the Word. Am my perfect No, but man, it is helping me turn down the noise by not starting my day with some distraction, with some interruption. So what if we treated our phones like a child? We put it to bed early. We let it sleep. In. Also, what if we just invited Jesus to join us in things that we already enjoy? Maybe it's mowing. And, and for me, I've thought about listening to a podcast while I mow because I love podcasts. But my mindset on that is no, I'm not giving up my time with Jesus while I mow for a podcast because that's my time with Jesus. Running, for me, it's the same way. I'm not listening to a podcast while I run because that's my time with Jesus. That's a way that I withdraw to engage. I want you to notice. The pattern, it says Jesus withdrew to the wilderness. It would be awesome if we could drive to Chilhoi. If you're from our area, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just thinking about a mountain near you. That's beautiful. That that if we could just drive to Chilhoi every single day, we can't do that. But we can put our phones away. We can maybe do the dishes, take a shower, do something else that we enjoy without any devices, without any noise. So let's invite Jesus into those things that we enjoy and let's remove other things from it some very simple tips but then the the harder one how do we turn down the noise internally because it's so easy to let our minds wander and so one thing is if we're out in nature because maybe that's a way that we turn down the noise externally then perhaps it's okay to let our minds wander some because we're looking around we're enjoying God's creation could lead us to worship the Creator. So you just need to pay attention because sometimes our wandering minds could actually be leading us to worship. But also, very practically, something that I do is, um, I I utilize an app called Notion, maybe use Evernote or something else, and when I'm trying to spend time in the Word or prayer, and I'm trying to focus, and oh, I gotta do this, and, and this thought comes in, and this thought comes in, I'm gonna put that in Notion. Okay, I'm going to record it right then. Now, the problem is sometimes I've set my phone aside, so I have my phone. So that means that in my journal, which I have with me, I'm just going to write that thought down to say, no, if I don't write it down, then it's just going to keep running around. But when I write it down, I refer to Notion as my second brain. I've put it in my second brain, so my first brain is now free. Like it is gone. And so maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's just a sheet of paper that when you have those thoughts, write it down, write it down, write it down, write it down. I don't know exactly what it looks like practically for you to turn down the noise internally, but maybe it's just as simple as giving ourselves grace and recognizing that we're not going to be perfect at this ever. But every distraction is an opportunity for reconnection. And so when our minds wander internally, it's all right. We're still just spending time in His presence. We'll come back to So as we begin to land the plane today, we're just going to take about 45 seconds, a minute. Just practice silence. There's not going to be any music going on. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you just want to sit there. Maybe you want to write some thoughts down. Maybe you don't want to write some thoughts down. Because I know a friend of mine, Zach Camp, a lot of times he doesn't like to have anything with him because he just wants to be fully present with God. He doesn't want the pressure of having to write down what God might have shown him. He just wants to be there with God. However you do this. unique wiring. Let's just take a moment and let's withdraw to pray. And even for me in that minute, my mind wandered. There's grace there. It's okay. And really the goal that I've been thinking about, something the Holy Spirit has really challenged me and a caveat I think is important before we end is that we don't withdraw to pray. We don't turn down the noise for a word but for time with the word. We don't turn down the noise just for a word but for time with the word. I don't know if you're like me, but I like to hear from God. I want to practice silence and solitude so I can hear from Him. And a lot of times He speaks when I create this space, when I go for a run, when I'm mowing. But that can become transactional for me, where I'm just doing this rhythm so that I can get a word instead of wanting to just be with the word. And so a quote that I used to share when I taught Bible history from the book of Job is just the fact that we want answers and God wants us, but if we seek God, the answers take care of themselves doesn't mean we get the answers, but we get God. And oftentimes we find out what we should have known all along, that He is enough. So I pray for you, I pray for me, as we practice turning down the noise to pray like a psalmist, that it wouldn't just be for something from God. It would be just because we want God Himself. I hope you tune in next week, or if you're traveling and out of town, that you come back next week to our campus because we're gonna take some time early in the gathering and we're gonna have communion. Communion is an opportunity to just focus and reflect on the fact that Jesus died and that he rose again. And one of the reasons we're gonna do communion next week is to practice this, to withdraw from the busyness of our week, to pray and connect with God in our gathering. So I encourage you to tune in or come next week in person. And if any of this conversation has led you to say, man, I," I know we're talking about prayer. I just need somebody to pray for me. Prayer at publicchurch.com. Or if you've realized, man, I didn't realize that Jesus just wanted to spend time with me. I didn't realize he loved me this much, but he died and he rose again for you. And he'll forgive you for anything you've ever done or anything you ever will do. And he'll give you this relationship with him. So if, if you want to surrender to Jesus, if you want to follow him, email us, prayer at publicchurch.com. We'd love to have that conversation with you. So this week, let's just take some time Don't don't get overwhelmed by all this. Just try one simple way to turn down the noise externally or internally. Just turn down the noise in order to pray like a psalmist. I'm confident if we do this rhythm over time, these two rhythms over time, we will grow more and more comfortable with the presence of God. And we will enjoy prayer. more. Love you guys. See you next week.
0: Thank you, Pastor Todd, for the challenge today. And we want to encourage you to take these two rhythms and implement them into your daily lives. Now, if you're not already doing so, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on YouTube, maybe find us on Instagram and Facebook and and like and follow us there. And you can always find out more information about us on Public Church's website, publicchurch.com. And if you have more questions about anything, feel free to email us at office at publicchurch.com. Again, we're so glad you joined us today and thank you for watching.